If you're watching online or listening, even at a different time, I don't know what like area of the country or even the world you're watching from, but here locally, we're in the Midwest, and I don't know if you, you're probably familiar with this, but it was, it was warm this last week. Like, like it, was, it was hot, and the heat led uh, me into a grocery store, led me specifically into an ice cream aisle. The Lord, the Holy Spirit guided me there, and I was there, and I was contemplating what was going to cool me down, and I went with something that was basic. You know, the, the, the ice cream bar with the vanilla ice cream and the chocolate coating, but not just any chocolate coating, dark chocolate, because that's Jesus' favorite. So I got that, and I took it home, and uh, I grabbed one of those, those bars, and I started eating it. It was refreshing and cooling, and I loved it. And I, I eat really fast, so it was gone really quick. And I thought, gosh, didn't even feel like I ate one. So I got up and walked over to the freezer again, and I grabbed another one. And my wife, Jody, she's polite. She just glanced at me and smiled and thought, oh, he must be hungry and hot and whatever. So I ate another one, and I ate the second bar as fast as I ate the first one, and it was just as good. So I finished the second bar, and I sit there for about 30 seconds on the chair, and all of a sudden I just find myself standing up again. True story. And I start walking to the freezer. And this time Jody is giving me the side eye, you know what I'm saying? So I get to the freezer, I open it, and Jody's like, what are you doing? And I said, Jody... I'm doing the Lord's work. You know what I'm doing. So, I mean, so I, I you, you know where this is going. I grab another, a third Klondike bar. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Apparently, I would do a lot. So, I grab a third Klondike bar, and I just hammer it. And I thought to myself, after eating the third one with the, with the, with the vanilla and the dark chocolate, I thought to myself, what if I couldn't eat this? Like, what if... What if a doctor told me, Monty, no more ice cream for you? Two of my favorite things. No more ice cream, no more chocolate, like, you're done. If you eat this again, like, you'll die. Like, I thought about what would my response would be? And I think it would be, Jesus, get my room ready. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I, it would be difficult. What's, what's your thing? I mean, I wonder what it is for you that you would have a very difficult time giving up. The reality is, and I shared this stat on social this week that, and this is crazy, but people, this is nuts, studies show that, research shows, I should say, that people that are told by a doctor, you either need to change or die, 90% choose death. So it, when they're told you need to quit smoking, otherwise you're going to die, you need to quit drinking, you need to lose weight, whatever it is, and it isn't because they don't want change, but they can't for some reason do it. And, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I know why. We're going to get into it in a second. But, but let's just pull it back. You want something in your life to change. You want an area, uh, like maybe you want to be more successful. Maybe you want to make more money. I want to be smarter. I want to be stronger. I want to be skinnier. We all want these things that we want. But the reality is, and this is, this is key, as we start a new series called The Formula for Life Change, here's, here's a secret I'll give you straight out the gate. We, can't, we, we focus too much on the outcome. Like, I want this. I want to be that. I want to do that. I want to make that. And we focus so much on that, and that's where you get stuck a lot of times because the key to change isn't focusing on the outcome. It's focusing on the input. See, input is what we can control. The outcome is God's. So it, this is so key that we get this. So new series, I just told you, The Formula for Life Change. And the inputs that we're talking about over the next five weeks, each, one, each of the ingredients, if you will, are crucial to you having lasting change in your life. But the key, again, we're not focusing on the outcome. We're focusing on what we can do. And when we do that, 
we'll see change. To kick off the series, it was so easy to decide which ingredient we would be talking about first. Because there's one out of the five that is, well, they're all essential, but this one would be the center. This one would be like the foundation, I guess you could say. And I say that from a personal point of view because this ingredient that I'm going to talk about today is the number one thing that has changed my life since I've surrendered my life to Christ. It's the number one thing. And, and I must not be alone because research, I wrote it down, research shows it's also the number one thing that spiritually transforms most people's lives. And here's what it is. Reading and reflecting on the Word of God. It is the number one thing that will transform a life of someone that, that has the Holy Spirit in them, someone who is called on the name of Jesus. But here, now, here's some crazy stats regarding the Bible. 88% of you and me, Americans, have one in our house. Most of us have three or four, actually, in our house. So, nine out of ten, there's that stat again, nine out of ten have a Bible in their home. Less than two out of ten read it on a consistent basis. Those are just the, the stats, the, 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 the truth of where we're at. So, D.L. Moody, I love this quote from him because there's a lot of knowledge, there's a lot of information in the Word of God, but this is what he says. I love this. The Bible wasn't given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. See, the Word of God, this isn't just a book. This isn't just like any other book. Like, this is actually a collection, did you know this, of 66 books, all put together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God himself, 66 books that all tell a story, and the story flows together. And so the Old Testament and New Testament, if you don't know, when Jesus came to earth, Christmas, right, Jesus was born, from that day forward is the New Testament. 27 books in there, the New Testament. Covers a span of about 100 years. The Old Testament is before Jesus came to earth as a person. Now that covers about 2,000 years. And that's, a, what is it, 39 books. So we got 39, 27, 66 total. The inspired word of God. I wrote down, it's his holy scripture. It's his word. It's his truth. And why I'm telling you it's so crucial to your life, and it's so crucial to this series, is because we see it. The enemy, you have an enemy and so do I. The, Satan, what he attacks the most is the word of God. So if he's attacking it the most, that should tell you something. Like the very first attack on mankind is the devil in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, you may know the story. They're in this perfect place and they're in this beautiful lush garden and God's speaking to them. He's like, it's all yours. You can, you can go anywhere and you can eat any of the fruit, but just that one tree there, I'd stay away from that because that, that one you don't want to eat from. If you eat from that tree, you're going to die, right? You're going to die. So that's, that sets it up. But, but watch what Satan does. This is in the very, we're, I'm going to teach out of 2 Timothy, so you don't need to turn to Genesis, but you can turn to 2 Timothy because that's the main teaching. But let me set it up. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, very first. Genesis means beginning. So Genesis 3, the serpent, this is, this is the devil in disguise, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. One day, he asked the woman, Eve, did God really say, isn't that crazy? The very first words we hear him speak, he's, he's trying to get us to question God's word. Did God really say that? Did God really say this? Eve, did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees 
In the garden, you notice he's already lying and, 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 and turning it around. Did God really say that? Of course, Eve said, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat from it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. And here comes the serpent, the devil. You won't die. It's a lie. You won't die, the serpent said. God knows that your eyes are going to be opened if you eat it. He knows that as soon as you eat it, you're going to be just like him. You'll know both good and you'll know evil. Like God's keeping something from you, Eve. And then it says, the woman was convinced. And guys, you know this. Once a girl has her mind made up, I mean... Good luck. She, she was convinced, and as much as maybe us guys want to blame uh, Eve on it, the reality is the very next uh, action is Eve, like, taking a bite of the fruit, turning to Adam and saying, hey, you want some? He's like, okay. <laughs> and he eats it too. So we're all in it together. But she was convinced. He convinced her that God didn't say that. He convinced her to not believe the word of God. He convinced her to believe that God was keeping something from her. Now, you and I both know this. God wasn't, the, the devil was trying to make her believe that God was holding out on her. But God, God, all God was trying to do is keep Adam and Eve safe. All God wanted was them for have, to have an abundant, purpose-driven life. That's what God wanted. So crazy. So all through the word of God, both Old and New Testament, you see God explaining over and over that this is good for you like my word is my word is something that you, you is you want like it's a benefit like it will bring you life like we've talked about just look at like Leviticus this is the third book in the Bible Leviticus 18:5. God says if you obey my decrees and my regulations you will find life through them I am the Lord like believe me listen to me you will find life God gives the instruction, not because he's keeping good from us. He has something good for us. Like, can we just, like, say this, repeat this after me. Say, say, God is for me. Like, if you believe what you just said, that God is for you, then you also have to believe that God's word is for you. It would only make sense if God is for me, his word is for me. Regardless of what he's saying, it's for me. The problem today is that we, that people, like we've taken matters into our own hands. We have given ourselves the authority to declare what's right and what's wrong. Which is scary. So rather than have God and his word be our authority, we're the authority. And if you want to know how that works out, just look how history repeats itself. And look where we continually go. And, and by the way, think of the audacity and, and just the, the, the insanity of us saying, you know, God, I, I know you, you're recommending your book and your word and your truth and all this, but you know, we prayed about it and we're going to go ahead and shelf this and we're going to like, we're going to take our way. We, we think it's going to be better. And God's like, oh my gosh, God's up in heaven. He's like, oh, oh boy, son, son, get over here. Hurry. Gabriel, Michael, you know, this is going to be, this is going to, Gabriel, get your iPhone out, because you know there's no Androids in heaven, so you get your iPhone, and, I'm sorry, so, so they're, they're looking, and God's like, this is going to hurt, I mean, look at what they're doing, they're putting away what I said, and they're picking up what, what they think is, it's so crazy, and the reason, I wrote it down, the reason so many issues are in the hands of people 
today. The reason so many issues are in the hands of the lawmakers or in the hands of the government is because we've taken them out of the hands of God. But I'm telling you, this is the word of God. And on this, we must stand because everything else is sinking sand. Everything. This is the word of God. This is truth. And this is what we must stand on. So this is, if you can't tell I'm a little excited about this message, we, we can believe the word or we can believe the world. Okay? But eventually you got to pick one. And my prayer for us, for you and for me today, we will, we will pick the word because God wants to change our life through it. God wants to give us abundant life through it. So before we get to Timothy, 2 Timothy, I have good news and bad news. Which do you want first? Bad? I heard bad. Okay, the bad news is the world that we live in is going downward towards destruction. And the bad news is that's not going to change. Overall, that's not going to change. When you read the word of God, you'll know. The Bible says in these last days, there will be more deception and more imitation than ever before. And the only way the believer will know what is true and what is not is by getting into the word of God. So that is, that, the bad news is, there is no saving this world as a whole. The good news is, just because the world's on a downward spiral, doesn't mean that you have to be. You can still make a change. You can still change you. You can still change a circle of influence. The world as a whole, it's in trouble. But that's why we need the word so desperately. So, I'll give you the main point right away, even before the main text. Listen to this. The only way to defeat Satan's lies, because that, that's the enemy, is with God's truth. It's, it's the only way. Satan lies to you every day, and the reason that the world is in the, the state it's in is because we've sold out. We've, everybody thinks they're right. What I'm believing is true. Nope. What I'm believing is true. Nope. What I'm believing is true. And we're all believing these lies. It's, it's insane. The only way to defeat Satan's lies is with God's truth. So, let's transition to a New Testament story. Timothy is a character in the New Testament. Now, Timothy is a... He was raised on God's word. I can tell you that. His, his mother and grandmother taught him scriptures at a young age. They were Jewish women. His dad was a Greek, so Timothy wasn't a full-blooded Jew, but he was raised on scripture. So, in fact, you may have heard of him because obviously there's a book, there's, in the Bible, there's First Timoth Timothy and there's Second Timothy, right? Guess who wrote those? I kind of set you up. It wasn't Timothy. It was Paul. But anyway, so Paul wrote those books to Timothy. Paul was an incredible man that was changed by God, and planted a lot of churches. Paul uh, brings Timothy into the fold and puts him under his wing to like be a pastor, to be a leader. Paul planted a lot of churches, but he never really pastored any of them. Like he started them and he'd move on. Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesians, of Ephesus. So, but when they first connected, um, he was teaching Timothy to go all in. Like a crazy story. Um, circumcision was a big deal in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Like, males were circumcised. That was a symbol that you were part of God's family. But in, in the New Covenant, uh, that was no longer like a requirement to be in part of God's family. So that was a big deal. But Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you know what? I know you're a grown man, but I think you should, I think you should be circumcised anyway. Because if you are, you know, they'll, 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 you'll be bought in and they'll be bought into you. And I bet Timothy's like, 
What? Do you, what? I mean, think about that. Timothy's like, okay, I know what that entails. Is there any kind of, any kind of anesthetic or any kind of, you got morphine, you got oxycodone, you got Vicodin? No, Paul says, I don't even know those words. I don't even know what you're talking about. No, you just kind of bite down on a stick, you know. And uh, Timothy's like, do you still do it the same way? Take a jagged rock and like chop down? I mean, all the guys just winced. I'm sorry. So, so, and Timothy's like, yeah, yeah, that's how we do it. I bet, or I bet Paul, or Timothy's thinking, but Timothy did it. This is, Timothy gets circumcised. I mean, you talk about a whole new level to having skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. It's crazy. So, so Timothy did it because they were ruthless about reaching people for Christ. So, all right, so he's raised on scripture. I want to read you the scripture that Paul, now Paul is writing this to Timothy. By the way, uh, tradition tells us this is, Paul wrote a lot of letters that make up the New Testament, and this is the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. Second Timothy. He's writing to Timothy, encouraging him. Paul's going to die soon. And listen to what Paul says. Remember how I said the world's not on a good trajectory? Here we go. Second Timothy 3, verse 13. Timothy, but evil people and imposters are going to flourish. Okay? They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. I mean, doesn't this sound familiar? But you must remain faithful, Timothy, to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, Timothy, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Paul continues, Timothy, all scripture, say all, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful. It's going to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Timothy, God uses it to prepare you and me and equip us to do every good work. In other words, to live your God-given purpose. It is crazy. So just think of the last two verses we just read, 16 and 17. We'll put them up one at a time here. First of all, starting in the 16th one, where it says, all scripture. Think about this. All scripture. Words, words matter. Every little detail. That's why, that's why reading the word of God with others is so crucial. Because we miss stuff. You'll miss something I'll catch. I'll, I'll catch something that you miss. All scripture is inspired by God. Now, the moment we discard that, we discard everything. The moment we say, ah, you know what, I, uh, that scripture, I'm, I, I'm on board with that. God loves me? Yeah, I like that. I'm going to prosper? Yeah, I like that. Right? God's got a good plan for me? Yeah, I like that. I mean, oh, God will never leave me? Yeah, if I'm on board with that. But then the other parts of scripture that we sometimes, maybe we're not living this way, and we're like, eh, I don't know about that, and we don't agree with that, so I don't know about that, and we start picking and choosing. Like, I, I've shared this before, most people believe in heaven, but, but many of those same people say there's not hell. Well, that would make, I mean, first of all, did you step outside this week? I mean, hell is real. I'm just saying, I heard that the devil went to Canada for the week because it was just so hot, but it, hell is real. Jesus talked about hell way more than heaven, but, but people, they're like, I can't, I can't fathom a place like that, so I don't believe that part. That's insanity. That that's us now taking authority and saying, we're right, God, you're wrong. We're smart, you're dumb. We're gonna, 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. When you know the word of God, you are going to be able to utilize it in your life, in your family, in your kids, whatever it is, your workplace, and you'll use it. I mean, I try to use it to my advantage. Like, Jody, my wife, she loves, we have cleaning days once in a while. These are evil days that I don't even, I hate them, but we, we do, we clean, and Jody's like, you need to dust the entire level. And I said, Jody, I can't. The Bible says from dust we came and dust we shall return. I mean, this could be people we know. I, I can't do that. I mean, I can't. So, I'm just kidding. So, but anyway, so it's inspired by God, all of it. It's useful to teach us what is true, ooh, and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The only way to defeat Satan's lies is with God's truth. This part about making us realize what is wrong, and then in the next section talks about correcting us. This is where me, I'll, be, I'll get personal. This is where I would kind of put the Bible away. And, and growing up, I was raised on Scripture, but I didn't read it a lot. I, I knew what it said, and I knew what it, where it stood on some issues, but I just, rather than let that guilt me, I just kind of put it away. This is where you really need to lean in. I tell people, it's not the parts you agree with that you really need to lean in. You already got that. It's the parts that rub you wrong. It's the parts that cause that friction. I'll just say it. If every message, if every preacher that you maybe listen to online just encourages you and inspires you and motivates you and that's it and do I want to do those things yes but if that's all you're getting like if every message at Meadows Church if all it does is 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 make you feel warm and fuzzy and happy you're probably not getting a full dose of the word of God I'm just saying the word of God you know what the word of God is it's a sword it's a sword of truth swords cut they can hurt and when we start getting into the, the, the scripture that kind of rubs us a little bit, I, I truly believe that's when God, we, we are to lean in. I, I've shared this example before, but when we, when we, you know, couples want to get married, we meet with them, and one of the biggest tension points is purity. Because we go through a covenant to say, okay, if you want us to marry you, you know, we, we are, the word of God is our authority, all scriptures inspire us, so we talk about this, this, this. And the last thing we talk about is, is, is being pure, because we show in scripture that, like, marriage is, the, the intimacy in sex is created for marriage. And that's what's best for us. Remember, God wants something for us. He doesn't want to take anything from us. Side note, I ain't judging anybody right now, because if there's anybody that got this wrong, it was your pastor. This is, one of the re- this is one of the things where I put the Bible away. I knew what it said, but I was like, eh. I mean, I, th- that's old. That's, that, that's not for us today. That was probably for somebody back then. That was me. So we meet with couples now, and I talk to them. I'm very candid. And it's funny because we tell them, okay, from this day forward, if you agree, that we want you to remain pure and, um, until your wedding day. And at that point, the guy normally says, We'd like to move up our wedding day, you know? So <laughs> it's funny. So, um, so we, uh, but we talk about it, and, and you hear things from people like, oh, but we know it's just right, and it feels right. <laughs> I'm sure it does. And our, my heart just says it's right. That's scary, okay? The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. Do not listen to that. The only time I listen to my heart, Dan, is like, if I'm running, and my heart says, listen, if you don't stop, I will. I'll listen. But, you know, but when it comes to our feelings and intimacy, oh my gosh, the heart will lie to you. And so that's, but we've had people leave the church because of that. We've had people get upset because of that. I'm okay with it. If, I, I'm not like, I, didn't, I don't want to preach to just 
You want, you, I know you want the truth. We don't like to hear it sometimes, but I know that you want it because deep down you're, you are created in the, in the image of God. So there's the two, top, the two top tensions, sex and money. Those are the two top tensions. Money, we preach the word of God all the time and we preach on giving because, well, Jesus preached on it like more than anything else. So if, you're, if your church isn't preaching on that, I would run from that church because they're not preaching full scripture. But I tell people, when we preach on giving back to God through the church and, and giving first, I want this to be a church as you keep coming. Maybe right now you're like, ah, oh, I don't, you know, money, church wants it. That's okay, just keep coming, just keep coming. You'll get to a point, I promise you, as God works on you, it'll be one of the most exciting things you ever hear. Remember, everything in the word of God is for you. Everything is for you. And we teach on the tithe, we're turning 10%, and, and I didn't get there for a long time. And it takes steps. And we, we, I just talked to a person this week, and I said, just take a step. You don't have to get there. Just the, the amount's insignificant. Just show God that you want obedience in your life. And it's powerful. But I've had, I had a person email me after we taught on uh, the principle of first and giving back to God first. And they were, I mean, it's a dissertation. It took me like two hours to read the email. But the bottom line is they were like, nope. I believe that's for the Israelites, and that's probably to do with crops or wheat, or that's nothing to do with, and it had every, every excuse, and I'm like, I, and I showed them scripture, listen, it was before the law, it was back, principle first, back to Adam and Eve, and New Testament, Jesus said yes, tithe, all this stuff, but that didn't matter, so, you know, sometimes you're just not going to change someone's mind, and I'm okay with that, but I, I thought to myself, Let's say that that person was right, and they proved to me in Scripture that you don't have to give. You don't have to return 10% to God. You can give whatever you want. You want to give nothing? Give nothing, even though God is the greatest gift giver. But if, if, if she would have proved that to me, there's no, I, I still wouldn't change my mind. Like, I still wouldn't go, oh, Jody, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to give anything. We can give nothing. There's no way you'd ever change my mind, even if it wasn't, because we've gotten to a point now where we see God moving in our lives in ways... I'll tell you this, Meadows Church, if Jody and I weren't tithing when God called us to lead the church, you and I wouldn't be here. This church would not exist. I can tell you that hands down. That's how much God's hand has been on us and our, our, our family in this area. And again, if you're not there, don't worry. I'm not trying to guilt you or anything. I'm just telling you what the word of God says, and I'm telling you that we'll do whatever it takes to, to walk with you wherever you're at. But, but it's the word of God is going to cut. The word of God is going to chafe. You want to be challenged in your life, don't you? You want God to, to move in you in a mighty way. That's going to happen not many times in good things, but in rough things and things that, 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 that chafe and hurt. But we got to stop thinking we're the center of the story. I mean, I wrote down, <laughs> the goal, by the way, the goal of God's word, the goal of God's word and the good news of Jesus Christ, the goal isn't to like affirm you or accept you, or even celebrate you. Like the goal of God's word, you know what it is? It's to redirect you. It's to transform you. It's to actually rescue you from you. That's what the word of God is for. That's what you want it to do. We're not the center of the story, God is. But I tell you what, from Genesis 3 on, you know what the, you know what the theme of the Bible is? God chasing you. God loving you in your mess, in your sin, in your dysfunction, in mine, because I am a sinner. God chases us. This is the story of the word of God. It's powerful. Teaching us to do what is right. Preparing us and equipping us for our God-given purpose. If, if, 
If, you, if we're not in the word of God on a consistent basis, look up here. There is 0% chance of you living your God-given purpose. Zero. Zero. And so if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm never in the word of God, praise God that you're here. Praise God that you're watching. I'm so excited that you're here because it is the number one thing that will radically change your life. And scripture proves it to us. The first attack on mankind in was what? The devil trying to get Eve to question the word of God, and he did. The first attack on Jesus Christ in his ministry was what? The devil attacking Jesus in the desert. And you know what he tries to get Jesus to do? Not believe the word of God. The devil, in Luke, Luke 4, 3, the devil says to Jesus, if you're the son of God. <laughs> Jesus is like, ain't no if. I, I know who I am. But the devil's trying to convince him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. You know how Jesus wins the battle against the enemy? The word of God. Three times the devil goes after Christ after he's baptized. Three times Jesus pulls out the sword of the spirit, the sword of truth, and he, and he attacks the enemy with scripture and wins. This is how powerful the word of God is. It is amazing. By the way, it's more than just having head knowledge too. There's many people that know some scriptures. They don't know, they don't know Christ. Okay, so it's, it's, you got to be careful with that. Because the, the religious people back in the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these people that were just all hoity-toity and they knew it all. And they did know it. They did know it all in their head. It just wasn't in their heart. And Jesus would call them out. I don't know if I put this one up there, but Matthew, Jesus says to them, I love Jesus. He likes to ruffle some feathers. He says to the, the, the holy rollers, <laughs> this is, I got to find it now. Oh, Luke, or no, no, excuse me, Matthew. Jesus replies to them, you know what your mistake is? Your mistake is you don't know scripture. And I bet they were like, oh, how dare you? I mean, they knew it. They memorized it. Jesus says, nah, you don't know scripture. And then he says, you don't know the power of God. You don't know scripture. And you don't know the power of God. What does that tell you? It tells you that the power of God is revealed through the word of God. The power of God is revealed through the word of God. Your problem, you don't know it. Oh, you memorize stuff, but you don't, you don't, it ain't. It's in your head, it's not in your heart. Every single day, church, we must come to the word of God expecting God to change us, expecting God to renew us, expecting God to cause us to repent and turn and want something better because everything in the word of God is for you. He's not trying to take your sex life from you. He's trying to give you one that you'll, oh, it will be so incredible. He's not trying to get your money. You don't need your money. What he's trying to do with the tithe, he's trying to get your heart. It's about trusting him. That's what he, it, it's, but you got to trust, you got to believe that. We have to believe the word of God. So, Let's go back to kind of where we started with Timothy and Paul. Do you remember that Paul is writing his last letter, probably close to dying? He's planted a bunch, bunch of churches, new churches, first churches along the Mediterranean rim. He's raised up people, he, Barnabas and Silas and others, and he's done life with them. But Timothy's special, Timothy's his mentee. 
And he writes a letter, he pens a letter to Timothy. And it's so powerful. Do you remember? Do you remember the scripture, that one of the last ones? I'll read it to you again. Timothy, or Paul shows Timothy that the scriptures are so powerful that they lead to salvation. Salvation is being saved and set free. Because when you do die, and you will, there, there's, there is an eternity. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it because I'm smart or that I'm saying it because the word of God says it and I trust it with everything. I trust it with everything. I've gotten it wrong a lot. It's never got me wrong. I screwed up every day. So let's pull up 2 Timothy 3.15. The scriptures lead to salvation. Timothy, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. Your mom, your grandma, they poured into you. That's why our kids' ministry is crucial. That's why our youth ministry is crucial. Because if we don't know it, how are they going to know it? And if you don't think they're getting pointed to deception or to lies, boy, don't be that naive, please. Timothy, you've been taught Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've given you the wisdom, the wisdom, Timothy, to receive life. Salvation, eternity, in a place, a realm that you can't fathom. Scriptures will point you there. But you can't stop there because we're not saved by believing the Bible. Okay? Satan believes the Bible. He's far from saved. So there must be more. There is. Let's give the whole thing in context. Timothy, you've been taught Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive salvation, Timothy. Salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. More truth. If I can get specific, Jesus is that. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father unless they go through me. Now, the world is going to tell you there are other options. But I came to tell you, Jesus is the truth. And his way is the only way. It's, if you believe it, shout louder than that. I can't hear it. I can't hear it. We believe, God. It's not easy. There are things that I struggle with in the Word. Because it doesn't make sense in the context in which we live. It never will. The context in which we live is jacked up. And it's going to get worse, but in our heads it seems normal because we're living in it. That's why we can conform to the world so easily and still be in church. I'm a churchgoer. I'm a believer in Jesus. I, I teach my kids scripture. But you're living like the world. That was your pastor. I've always loved God. I've always believed in Jesus as the King and the Savior and my only hope. I've lived like the world most of my life. This is the deception. It's crazy. You don't know you're being deceived when you're being deceived. Otherwise, it wouldn't be deception. That's why we got to have an authority that's apart from us. We must. See, and this church stands on it. And I'm going to preach the word in season, out of season. God didn't call me to come, hey, come and fill the seats. God called me to, to preach you truth so you can be set free. That's what I want for you. The gospel's nuts. The more you get into the word of God, the more you'll realize that 
when Adam and Eve made that horrible decision and sin entered the world and it was falling from that day forward and it's falling fast. God had a plan in place already because he knew. He knows our heart is wicked. He knows we, we're going to make choices that we think are good but actually hurt us big time. And he sends Christ, his son. Jesus, they're, they're a mess. Remember when we looked down, remember the video that Gabriel, it's not good. You need to go. You're perfect. We need to sacrifice you because something has to die before something can come to life. And that something, according to scripture, has to be perfect. You're a mess. So am I. That's why Jesus came. And this is the best news you'll ever hear. You are, you'll never be good enough. You'll never do enough good works. You'll never pray enough. You'll never go to church enough. You'll never read enough scripture to earn anything. Jesus earns it for you. He goes on a cross, dies to take away your sin. This isn't a fable. This isn't a fairy tale. This, is, this isn't God's word. It's true. Jesus dies on a cross to cover the sins of the world. But only those who call on his name by faith and say, I believe you did that for me. I accept that. You're God's son. You are the savior of the world. And you are dead on a cross. But, but even bigger than that, I believe what scripture says. That, that three days later, some women went to the tomb. They didn't go to like celebrate anything. They went to like mourn a dead body and anoint a dead body. When they went there, there was no body. And nobody expected nobody. But nobody was there. You know why? Because Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Son of God, had brought himself back to life. Now if Jesus can do that, what do you think he wants to do in you and in me? Oh God, you're kidding. He does it for everybody, but the Bible says that few will go to salvation in heaven. It's crushing. Few. Meadows, you're not the many, you're the few. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Say, I don't want to do this anymore. I need you. My ways are not good. Jesus will send, the Holy Spirit will enter into you, forgive you. And that's just the beginning, like we said earlier. So for this to really take root and for you to really get in the word of God, by the way, call on his name today. Surrender today. Mark a card. Tell us. But most importantly, tell him. Why we're so big on groups is because most of you and me many times as a pastor won't consistently read the word of God on our own. Even if we want to, even if we agree with the message, we won't do it. We'll start, but we'll stop. That's why we need people to spur us on, to encourage us, to hold us accountable. That's what groups do. We, we learn in rows, but we grow in circles. So life groups, you can get in and out anytime. There's, there's ongoing Men's groups, women's groups, young couples groups, uh, couples group, whatever. There's a ton of them, and they're out there. Look at them. Purpose groups, more intense. There are four people doing it together. They're in the Word daily, reading the entire New Testament, reading Psalms, reading Proverbs, a chapter a day, journaling, holding each other accountable. I mean, they're... I, I never, I don't, rec I mean, I recommend those, obviously. They're our discipleship process, but they're, you got to be all in. you got to say, I I'll do it. I'll commit. And if you can't do that, then don't. Do not do it. They're probably not for most people that are newer to faith. But they're intense. And if you think you're ready, I, we would love it. But again, you can look at the differences online or in that booklet. But here's what I want you to do. We're a church that we don't have a lot of activities. We don't have a ton of ministries. Oh, there's this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. No, we keep it simple. 
Come, seek the Lord on a weekend. Let's get into God's word together and learn truth. Get in a group. Do life together with other people. Serve, give your life away. I mean, that's, don't overcomplicate it. I pray that you'll consider signing up. I pray that you'll consider at least praying about it. Remember, we're, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to point you to anything that's not for you because it's all in the Word of God. Jesus had a group. One was a life group with 12 and one was a purpose group with four, Jesus included. You belong in one of them, I promise you. I hope you know that this is a love letter for you. And I hope you want to seek it and get in it. It'll change you. Let me pray for you. Father, <laughs> I look back at my life. Honestly, God, can I just admit it? I'll, I'll, like, I'll confess in front of the church. I never, I, I, I never read the Word of God, ever, until 15 years ago. I mean, I grew up in a Catholic school. God, I heard scriptures. I heard all that stuff. And I knew some scripture and I believed it. But to, to sit down and actually read it and know the story for myself and have it start to reflect and do the things that you talk about in 2 Timothy. But I had a pastor who was relentless about pointing me to it. He did not, he didn't care. He just said, get in it. And it needs to get into you. And I didn't listen for a while, but finally I started and I've never been more different than, than ever because of it. God, I pray that people will truly believe that you have something for them. But how would we ever know what it is if we're not in your word, hearing it from you? How do we know our purpose? It's going to come in your word. How do we know our next step in a career? God, you speak through your word. How do I know how to handle my kids? Oh, God, a lot of prayer and in your word. You, it speaks to every area of our life. We want to be a church that is just so sold out to your word because if it's our opinion, my gosh, this place will go up in a ball of fire. If it's your word, lives will be transformed forever and people are going to be set free just like today. God, I pray people will be serious and pray about taking a next step and looking at a group. It will add life to them because it's going to help them get in the word together and that will change them. God, we love you. Love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Without him, we are in trouble. But with him, mm, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.